Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. If you can't find the gold lame, go ahead and wear the spandex with the jock strap on the outside. <laughs> and Beth West. That's the wonderful side effect of leather pants. When you pee yourself in them, they're more forgiving than jeans. Class is in. Professional radio done while you wait before your naked steaming ears. Uh, this is the Rock School Radio Show. My name is Joe Burns alongside the woman who just won't stop showing up once a week. What's your name, young lady? Beth West. And Can't my, get rid of me. And my hero. My hero sitting right next to me. What's your name, guy? Bill Naked Steaming Ears Robison. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now, this week I'm looking forward to, uh, this is... The last, if I'm not mistaken, sort of the swan song, the goodbye to America's music, it is, is it? It's week six of six. Right, and I'm looking We're forward to it. Done. I'm looking forward to it for one reason. I get Beth back because <laughs> she's been insane for the past six it's weeks true. because of this thing. And uh, it deals with the autobiographies and biographies of rock stars that's today's show yes and bands and such the the yes. books that they have read and uh, i don't know that i'm going to be uh, involved in this a great deal why because i can't read no that's not true uh it's because i haven't read a whole lot of these i don't find a great deal of time to read rockumentaries was far more my thing so to start this off bill let's acquiesce ladies first because uh, yes, beth is our first. librarian and she just absorbs yeah, and honestly, books <laughs> i haven't read a lot of these most of them are on my i'm on that site goodreads.com and they're all in my to read pile uh-huh. but um and after doing some of the research on them now i really really want to read them and to be fair a lot of them were just published it's so true. true a lot of really good ones have come out in just the last couple of years uh so the one we're going to start with is greg allman's autobiography called my cross to bear which just came out last year in 2012 and a lot of people have said that it's a really good book and i was looking through some of the reviews and came across this quote that he has about writing the song Whipping Post, which most people know if they know an Almond Brothers song. And I mean, maybe it's a bit uh, convoluted and a little bit of a drama kind of thing, but they're artists. They're artists. You have to imagine that things are always going to be a little bit fictionalized, a little bit turned up in any autobiography. But I love this story. Um, So he says, I knew I could use the matches to write with. He's talking about writing Whipping Post in the middle of the night. Uh, because I had diddled around enough with art to know that charcoal would work. I figured the ironing board would work as a pad, so I'd strike a match, blow it out, and use the charcoal tip to write with, and then strike another one. I charted out three triads and two little steps, and then I went to work on the lyrics. I've been run down, and I've been lied to. You know, that's nice. Song. But there's, that's not true. Come on. Let's just pretend it is. Okay? Board, Bill. I don't know. Uh, we're, we're talking about the same guy here who decided 
uh, at one point to shoot himself in the foot to avoid going to Vietnam and drew a little target on his foot, which was still on his foot when he went to the emergency room and caused the ER doctor to raise his <laughs> eyebrows to a dangerous extent before he patched up the foot. Yeah, But it did keep him home. So it is not inconceivable to me that he wrote a song on an ironing board. Married Cher, uh, too, didn't he? Married Cher, too. Really? Well, yeah. that, there's, that there's was, your whipping post. Yeah, there's a strange <laughs> move. There you go, right here on Rock School. tied to the ironing board here on Rock School. <laughs> I still think that's a, just, let's make up a story. Just, you know what? I'd rather believe it's true and just live sure. in a fantasy land. Why not? Sometimes I just feel pressed and steamed. <laughs> yes, you do. That's very nice. That's nice. right. You're, you're never going to catch the midnight ironer. Okay, oh. that's enough. Just move, 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 move along. It's time to move on. Bill, let's talk about the man behind Blue Eyes. Who are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about Pete Townsend here, who has recently written a biography, which by his own admission, he's been trying to write for about 40 years. <laughs> uh, I think it's probably just as well that it took him until 2012 to do it because he's got a lot more stories to tell. But uh, Townsend, of course, is the guitarist and the principal songwriter for The Who. Uh, also a frequently controversial figure uh, ever since his uh, early days in rock when he introduced the smashing of guitars yeah. in, into performance. Yeah. And, uh, of course, is uh, often politically controversial uh, as well. But uh, it's, it's a very, very good book. Um, so you've read it. I've read it. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's good in a number of ways. Number one, like Keith Richards' book, which I believe you're going to talk about later, it gives you a lot of insight into British society from the 60s through the present. Right. Uh, the much, much more yeah. than you might expect uh, from a rock and roll book. Uh, another thing is that he's very frank about his own shortcomings. Uh, he always is, has been. Uh, I love that he, in a he person. He wears I really... them like scout badges. Yeah. I love that. He, he, he talks about his problems with drugs and drink. He talks about his problems with uh, marriage. Uh, he talks about his problems uh, getting along with other members of the Who and is, is very frank, uh, for example, about Keith Moon. Uh, both, you know, missing him like a like a brother and and being angry f at him for not taking better care of himself. Uh, there's also a lot of good stories in there about the music, and uh, it it just so happened this is one of those books that resonated me for me particularly because he talks about a couple of events at which I was fortunate enough to be present. Hmm. Um, Coincidentally, I got this book because my brother and his wife gave it to me for Christmas, along with a copy of the newly released DVD of The Who playing in Houston in 1975. Were well, you there? Wow. No, I was not there, okay. but I was in Baton Rouge the next night when they played almost exactly the same show. That's really cool. And he has a, a long story in the book about that. Aww. And he also talks about uh, a show that, I, that The Who did for charity in 1981 at the Rainbow in London, and it just so happens I was at that one, too. So really? It, it, you know, why, I just have been in all why, the right places. This is why you're my hero. Ah, well, what can I, I say? I have to say, uh, I was just realizing the first thing I ever knew about Pete Townsend was when he was on those uh, commercials for hearing loss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's a I message for so you, kids. Wear, wear your earplugs if you're going to stand in front of that Marshall you're not stack. Kidding. Huh? When I was little, that's the first thing that I knew about him was yeah. hearing loss. 
But you don't need your ears to read. You don't need your ears to read. Pete Townsend, who am I? This is the man behind Blue Eyes right here on Rock School. No one knows what it's like to be the bad man, to be the sad man, bad man. to be the sad man behind Blue Eyes. Uh, coming out of the who here on Rock School. You know what interests me about all of these books? A lot of people look at these rock stars as if they are almost jokes. They are they're stupid men who play three chords, uh, who really couldn't do much more than jump around and yell on stage. <laughs> and then they put out these tomes that have great great complexities to them and stories that are told with such wit and uh, which is what brings me to my book uh, David Lee Roth's uh, <laughs> you, you laugh as if I've made a joke uh, crazy from the heat now look I well, the know man does read Voltaire I well he quotes them but him but wrong or not he actually reads yeah them. no I, I I gotta tell you I I have read a few of these but I want to get this one out there because if you like Van Halen at all, grab the book. It, believe me, you can get it for a nickel off half.com. You probably It's, it's going to cost you more to ship it to yourself than it is to read it. It came out after Van Halen broke up, and it's, it's his story as opposed to the band's story, and it's when Dave didn't know what to do. He was a lounge singer for a while. He was going to be a solo artist. He became an EMT and all these things, and it was before he sort of became a, a joke in and of himself. But it's it's the stories of when the band was on the road. It's when the real meaning of the brown M&Ms came out. It, it, it tells his side of the whole story. And it's not well written. It tends to ramble. It's, it's pure, unadulterated brain candy. But it's written with that David Lee Roth, I am a Vegas show person, style and you probably can read it in two or three settings but i i enjoyed it immensely we're gold lame while you do yeah, it you, it. you know go have ahead have a lady nearby serving you a drink in a white sure. high cut sure. one piece if you can't find the gold lame go ahead and wear the spandex with the jock strap on the outside <laughs> sure and a t-shirt with the uh, elephants stapled to them sure. at least some Why neon not? no matter yes. what yeah. four chaps without the rear ends on them <laughs> stop now just a gigolo i ain't got nobody it's dave right here on rocks all right, first break here on Rock School, and as we come out of David Lee Roth, uh, the fine musician that he is, <laughs> I'm looking at the last page here. Uh, this this whole show was put together by the two people that are in the room with me, yes. and uh, I had nothing so well to do together. with it. That's yeah. it. You've got some books on here that should be burned, and there's yeah, a good reason as for it. As a librarian, I should never say that any books should be burned, but these, no, I'm these thinking... No, these are fire starters. Yeah. They really are. And you got on here, I'll, I'll give you three, and I'll tell you why you're right. My Crazy Beautiful Life by Kesha. Is it Keisha? Kesha. Who, who cares? Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus. You, you can't have a biography or an autobiography at 18 or 22. That's, you I haven't lived long enough. Justin, when I was looking up stuff for this, there was an article about how Justin Bieber had said that he was going to write an autobiography, and there was so much backlash that they just turned it into like a book of photos. Like, it, it was just like a chronicle. In, of would it be in crayon? <laughs> yeah. 
Would it look like the, you know, what is it, the, the lonely kid? What's the Ch- name of those Chapter things? one, preschool. Chapter two, <laughs> kindergarten. kindergarten. Yeah, I'm on, go, I'm go on page 47. He's out of the womb. I mean, come on. He's 18, for goodness sake. I love all the American Idol people have an autobiography. Yeah. Well, what would Kesha's be, you know? Drinking on Monday night, drinking on Tuesday night, drinking break. on Wednesday night. Looking like John Travolta in a really <laughs> weird way. Look, you got in here learning to sing, hearing the music in your life by Clay Aiken. I know, Come how on, cheesy is really? that title? Wait, this one's even cheesier. Heart full of soul, an inspirational memoir about finding your voice and finding your way about Taylor Hicks. You're probably like, who the hell was that? That he was, was Soul Patrol. Yeah, yeah, the gray-haired kid from American Idol when people still actually watch that. He was 32 when he won. <laughs> Jerry Holloway, if only. <laughs> From the Give me a break. Girl. If only. Yeah, Indeed, if only. Yeah, British pop sensations write a lot of autobiographies. That drives too. me crazy. You, you get all these little, you get all these little pop tarts. Britney Spears probably has what, ten or eleven or twelve biographies. biographies. Oh yeah. Well, every two years she does enough goofy stuff. You could write another one. She's, True. She's filling those books. She's on the list of the stars who are supposed to die this year. There's a Ooh. website that tracks what stars are supposed to die this year. Keith Richards is always up. Oh top. yeah. Second or third is always Ozzy Osbourne. She's starting to make the top 10, top 12. Whoa. They just keep expecting to find her, you know, in a hump in a corner somewhere. Oh gosh. You know, somebody needs to go nail. take care of her. We yeah. should drive up to Kentwood and be, just go knock on somebody's house and be like, go take care of your people. Yeah. Yeah, it, it tends to ramble. Tends. So, hello, Radio <laughs> Universe of Dad, Salamanca, Spain. Thanks for running the radio show. Hello, KLSU in Baton Rouge, our little neighbors there. Get us on Facebook. Search Rock School Radio Show and like us. You really like us. And we'll be back in a minute with a couple more books that are worth reading because the people have lived, oh, I don't know, long enough to buy a drink in the state of Louisiana. <laughs> back in a minute in Rock School. Coming out of the break here on Rock School, uh, it's an entire show about books here on Rock School, right? Yes. And only one book has made its yeah. way <laughs> into the studio. Book. Yeah, right there it it's is. The one I'm currently reading. Go ahead, Beth. What are you talking about? Rat Girl. Uh, written by Kristen Hirsch, which might not be a name that automatically springs to mind, but she was and still is the lead singer and principal songwriter of the group Throwing Muses, which uh-huh. began in the mid-1980s. And so I, I'm really loving this book. I meant to read it two years ago or so, and I finally got around to it just for this show. It's a quick read, but I have a background in English. I require books to be at least like, kind of sort of well-written for me to read them, or else I just throw them across the room. I can't stand it. Now, she, you said that she wrote this, because before we got underway with this with this. Um with the show, I said, you know, come on, half of these books, in fact, all of them are probably done with a ghostwriter. Right, yeah. These, these guys don't have time to do this. They got to yeah. play, they got to, you know, be There's on the There's a couple bus. of them, I believe, that were written exclusively by the authors themselves, and she is one of them, um, because she's a really good writer, and you could tell that it's got a very significant uh, and pointed voice to it. It's mm-hmm. definitely not a ghost writer voice. So what she did was this chronicles her 18th year. Um, when she was 18 years old in 1985, you'd think, oh, well, she hadn't lived much yet, right? Like we just mm-hmm. talked about. When she was 18, uh, throwing muses, she was she had been in college for two years because she went early because she had dropped out of high school. Throwing muses had been around for four years. 
and she had been writing music all of her teenage life, I guess. And they got a record. So her 18th year, they got a record contract. And then they started to get big. She had a breakdown and was diagnosed with bipolar and institutionalized. And then yeah. later in that year, she became pregnant with her first child. So a lot of stuff happened to her. But she, say, so she took, yeah, so she took her diary from this year that she was 18 and then expanded upon it and wrote it in sort of, it's almost like a novelization of her uh, 18 year old self's diary and it's so good and it's hmm. a really quick read and it's I would recommend it to anybody you don't really have to be a fan of throwing muses what just, just to clarify you know yeah. uh, rat girl does not mean that she was a groupie for the band rat, rat. <laughs> it's not with um, two t's <laughs> throwing throwing muses is not the same band as muse or jethro tull uh it's a, it's a different group thank you for, thank just you for clearing to, just that, to clear up. that up <laughs> i really appreciate it what are we playing dear we're playing dizzy from their i think they leave their third album love it sounds like this on rack school Coming out of Throwing Muses, Dizzy here on Rock School. Bill's turn. Bill with Big Reader. What do we got? Well, I want to talk about Julian Cope, uh, and I, I have multiple motives for doing this. Uh, uh, one is to get people to listen to Julian Cope if they've not heard him. Uh, he's fairly popular in Britain, not too well known except outside of a very narrow demographic of college radio in this country. Uh, he came to uh, prominence in Britain in the early 80s with a band called As the Teardrop Explodes and then went on to have a pretty lengthy uh, solo career. Uh, he's interesting for a number of respects. One, he's written an autobiography that's actually two parts, uh, Head On, which came out in 1994, and Repossessed, which came out in 1999, which I understand you can now buy as a single-bound version, and probably cheaply like some of these others if you peruse the, the used online options. Uh, but another thing that's interesting is that Cope came out of Liverpool, which, as some of you will know, was also the source for some fairly significant other British acts. Named uh, after Bugs, uh, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. As, as a I matter guess, of fact. I think I heard of some of those. And uh, Liverpool in the 70s had quite a thriving punk scene, of which Julian Cope was a part. Uh, he then went on to to write some music that can only be described, I think, as, as part punk, part psychedelic, uh, part art rock, which sounds like a weird combination of things. But uh, he put out an album... Um, in the 80s called Peggy Suicide, which is a pretty <laughs> funny pun if you think about it. It's got really some of the finest music on it uh, I think I've ever heard. Uh, it's well worth listening to if you haven't checked it out. Uh, a lot of it is pretty hard edge. The lyrically very interesting stuff. Uh, I think the best, best thing that he ever did, um, although some of the As the Teardrop Explodes music is pretty good too, but uh, the one we're going to play here today is a pretty good example of what you can find on Peggy Suicide. Mm -hmm. It's called Double Vegetation. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Right here on Rock School. All right, this is Rock School, and we're talking about autobiographies and biographies here of some great, great rock stars. I can't believe you're giving this one to me because yeah. it's my turn. <laughs> yeah, but have you read it? 
Have you read it? I read portions of it. Portions of it? Yeah. My brother had it, and I'd pick it up and, like, read some. Oh, I was going to say, I thought you got it through Rolling Stone because they they put a whole bunch of it in Rolling Stone. I know Bill has read it. Oh, yeah, I think I did read the portions of Rolling Stone, too. And and, and to be be clear, the reason that Joe got this one is because he insisted on it, and it's his show. So what could I do? (laughs) See? There you go. No, this is Keith Richards' life. And we're going to play, you know, obviously, a Keith Richards song, Keith Richards singing song. I got the book Life, and I, and I bought the hardcover. Normally, you know, I'll download it onto a Kindle or something like that. I got the hardcover after reading the excerpts that were put into Rolling Stone because, I, number one, I couldn't believe how well they were written because it's Keith Richards. Mm-hmm. And you expected a whole lot of blah, 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 blah. It's, it's so well written. That well, you, now you spell that. You can't believe it. Yeah, just have a monkey smack on the keyboard. <laughs> and it's big. It's you, you expect to see it, oh, I don't know, an inch thick. This thing in hardcover yeah. is mm-hmm. probably a three-inch thick yeah, book. Yeah, if you're not a big reader, it can be a little bit intimidating. You're like, this is going to be a while. But the thing is, I, I bought it to to open up a cruise my wife and i were going on a cruise n- not carnival we we wanted <laughs> we wanted all the facilities to work but we got on this cruise and normally you don't have a book with you that you give much of a care about because you're going to be off doing other things oh, my problem well, was i <laughs> i kept finding reasons to sit down and read this book because it was so unbelievably good if you haven't read it if, of all that we've talked about, this is the one you have to get. And I may have told this story before, but Richards is wide open talking about the fact that he was a junkie, but he proclaims that he was a smart junkie and he could handle it. He only did a little bit well, here. He knew when to stop the coke. He is still around. I, I'm with I you. Mean, so. I'm with you. Well, while he watched other people you know, descend into madness, he kept his head about him. When he hit his head falling out of a, a <laughs> palm and he had to have surgery he said he laid on the doc- doctor's table they were about to perform surgery on him and he looked up at the anesthesiologist my favorite story from the book looked up at the anesthesiologist and said you're not going to be able to put me under the anesthesiologist looked down and said why he said i've been a junkie my whole life i've taken the best drugs in the world at one point in time GlaxoSmithKline provided you know pharmaceutical grade heroin for the tour it's truth and the, he looked on, looked down at him, and he said, "What do you think?" He said, "Well, I'm a heroin junkie. I'm a junkie. You'll never be able to put me under." The anesthesiologist said, he, "I could see him smile behind the mask, and he lifted up the little plunger, and he looked at him and said, "Watch this, brother." <laughs> he pushed the plunger. <laughs> Gone. Sure, you're a junkie. I got the good stuff. So down he went, and he he, he just had to give it up to this guy. <laughs> okay, I don't know where you buy it, but I need the name of that guy. I liked guy. his uh, little quip about John Belushi in his book where he said John Belushi was an extreme experience even by my standards yeah so maybe that's why that's that's what he was talking about the difference between keeping your head about you I think sure you can't it's so easy to dismiss him and he's not. He's a thinking man. Well, if you look at uh, pictures of his library, for yes. example, he oh. has a fabulous library, so much so that it was featured uh, in, in a, a, a book, or not a book, uh, a magazine uh, in Britain a while back that did the great libraries of, of Britain. And right. you know, most of these were aristocratic, but also right. there's Richard's library. 
I can remember reading a, an interview with him in Rolling Stone a few years ago where he had just finished reading Edward Gibbon's The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, which is six volumes long. Is that yeah. the one where uh, they asked him if he wasn't going to be a rock star, what would he be? And he said, a librarian. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. He did. <laughs> he's very well read. Uh, he knows art quite well. He has a, a remarkable gift for telling stories. It's just a wonderful book. Um, yeah. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. You get to the end and you're like, why'd you stop? Yeah, tell, <laughs> tell me tell, more. Tell, tell me some more. Tell me more. Keith Richards, it's happy on Rock School. Second break here on Rock School, and as happens all the time, there are so many more books yeah, we than we are. Just autobiographies, right? We did not go into biographies right. or any other things that these people have written strictly autobiographies. Yeah, because if we went into children's stories, it seems that every oh. sort of overtly <laughs> yeah. sexual woman of the 1980s decided <laughs> to start writing children's stories. God, stop that! That is so true. And let's all do Madonna. Okay. <laughs> In the second break, uh, Beth brought this up. No, Bill Heck brought of this a good up. idea. Was it your idea? Mm-hmm. Bill's idea. Let's give it to Beth anyway, uh, just so I can be right. Uh, what band, what person has not written a book that you would like to see a book about? And since it's Beth's idea, how about you start, Bill? <laughs> okay, that sounds fair to me. Uh, the, the autobiography I would most like to read that is not out there available right now is one by Kate Bush. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, oh, yeah. I, You'd I have think, to run up the hill to get it. Yeah, well, you would. No, you would y'all you, are terrible you, today. You, you would indeed. <laughs> <Just> awful. Uh, <laughs> yes, up the hill in the middle of a sensual world. But anyway, I, I think that oh. she is one of the most uh, brilliant musicians, performers, composers of, of the last, you know, 30, 40 years. Uh, I rarely have favorites. You know, I can't name a favorite band, favorite guitarist or anything, but I can come closer to naming her as my favorite female compo- uh, composer and performer really? than probably just about uh, any other Bush. category. Oh, yeah. Huh. I, th- I think she's brilliant. She uh, and I would love to have talented. more insight uh, you know, into particularly her early years uh, when she was working with David Gilmore. Uh, and she started uh, so young, and also too. the work she did with Peter Gabriel. Um, and uh, you know, the, another interesting thing about her is that she had a kid and decided, okay, I'm going to stay home and be a mom for a while, yeah. and, and watch uh, the I'll, wheels, I'll yeah. make I'll make records when I feel like it. And uh, she still occasionally puts out one that's just brilliant. Um, but um, I, I think that would make for a most interesting autobiography. Fantastic! I would put out. Or would like to see a book on the group Triumph. I, you know, Eddie Van Halen's my favorite. I mean, I make no bones about that. Really? Yeah. In I hadn't second, figured that out. No, you figure no. that. Go back and I listen to earlier it. shows. Uh, the se- my second favorite guitarist and the person I listen to all the time. He's the reason I own uh, Yamaha guitars. He's the reason I play certain things the way I do. Is Rick Emmett. He's a guitarist out of Canada. I've seen the band a couple times live in concert. It was Rick Emmett, Gil Moore, and Mike Levine. They were Triumph. Form 75 broke up in 88. And they were, behind Rush, the most popular hard rock band in Canada. And since I went to school up in Ohio and such, what was Canada was ours. It it was sort of (laughs) there. I know there was a lake there, but it kind of meant nothing. And we 
just adored the band. And it all came to an end in 88, which seemed odd because they had their first major chart success in 86 with Somebody's Out There. And we're thinking, okay, now we're going to have all kinds of stuff. And boom, it blew apart. And when they were asked what happened, all we could get was money. Ah, come on. There's more of a story. And we're just not getting it. So I'd like to see that book. That would be mine. I would like a joint uh, autobiography, completely tell-all, it has to be, no holds barred tell-all, of N.W.A. Oh, that would be good. Like, right anytime, let's go up till Ice Cube is in Friday, and then that's it. No, we're not going to talk about uh, his, are we there yet, whatever's. Yeah. Everything before that, I want to know everything that happened, because that would be fascinating. Yeah, and why is Axl Rose wearing your hat? (laughs) <laughs> WBSD, thanks for running the radio show. <laughs> Sorry, did I mess you up? Yes. Let Beth compose <laughs> it, herself. It took me a minute. It took me a minute, and then okay. I like really got tickled by that. Um, hello, KPVL in Bozeville, Iowa. Good. Back in a minute here on Rock School. All right, last break here on Rock School, and just as we did a little while ago, we're going to wrap it up by hitting a couple more that we are not going to be able to play uh, and then wrap the whole thing up. Go ahead, Beth. What's another one? Uh, I'm going to say Chronicles Volume 1, the autobiography of Bob Dylan, um, mostly because of the section. He has a page about where he describes New Orleans, and it's beautiful, and it's perfect. And it starts out saying, there are a lot of places I like, but I like New Orleans better. And it's so true. (laughs) Does he go into there the time he he went ahead and... um uh, sued Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> I'm not poor, sure. Poor little Hootie poor and the Hootie. Blowfish. Good about it, Bill? Uh, I'm going to go with Iggy Pop's I Need More. Uh, I th- think Iggy Pop is interesting for so many reasons, but not the least of which is that he's survived. Uh, yeah. From being the young yeah. Iggy Pop to become the much quieter, more sedate, older Iggy Pop. At least until he gets on stage. Yeah. And then you really can't tell the difference. Well, uh, his his whole section where he was, you know, having to walk two miles a day to get methadone. Mm-hmm. You know, and he I walked two miles a day just for the for the exercise. And nothing was happening for him until was it China Girl? Yeah. I think was put on the Let's Dance uh, album for David Bowie and all of a sudden his world opened up again. Yep. It's you know, you can look at bands and point to just where it happened. So if you're looking for, you know, I want to read about a rock band and I want to read things that make me believe that rock is pure evil. <laughs> I've read this, I read this book on a, a plane, a long plane trip. My wife and I were coming back from, a, a, like, you know, Europe. You were over in Europe when you mm-hmm. saw, what was the band you were talking about earlier? The Who. Uh, the Who. The Who, yeah. Right. We were coming back from, you know, all parts as far east as you could get. And I bought a copy of The Dirt. Confessions of the World's Most Notorious Rock Band. And normally it's an overnight flight, so you go to sleep, right? Mm -hmm. I can't sleep on an airplane. Me So I read this thing. It is insane. It's not written in a linear fashion. All four members of the band wrote sections, and it's sort of thrown together. Well, we'll do two chapters by Mick Mars. Then we'll do a couple chapters, you know, by Tommy Lee. Then we'll do a couple chapters by... And it starts all the way back when they were kids to when the band was formed all the way through all the horrible, there's no other way of saying it, horrible things these guys did. And you either read it thinking, 
this is the rock and roll lifestyle and what I want my rock stars to do. Or you, in the same way as Iggy Pop, how are you alive? <laughs> how are you walking the earth, you guys? And it covers everything. It covers, you know, they, they, they literally go through it all. Tommy Lee talks about striking Pamela. It, it, I mean, if, it's, if it happened to them, they cover it. And at the end of the book, it, like you said with, with the Keith Richards book, when you close it, you're like, I could stand to catch a few more stories on it. So mm-hmm. that's that. And so we come to the end of another one. Thanks for coming in again. My pleasure. Yay, I appreciate Bill. it. I guarantee we'll have you back because you've started giving money to the show. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Beth West. And you are? Don't cash that check. That's right. <laughs> two, two party out of state post dated check. <laughs> My name is Joe Burns. You are? Bill Robinson. Hey, class is dismissed. Hey.